0: Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. It's Lori, and I'm here with Charlene, and we have got an exciting episode for you today. We know how much you all enjoy hearing testimonies of couples who have had their marriages restored, and today we're going to bless you with another testimony. Our guests today are Koji and Dina Bell, and they're the executive directors of Covenant Keepers Ministry, and our relationship with Covenant Keepers goes back well over 20 years. Their ministry founder, Marilyn Conrad, was a dear friend to both of my parents and was very instrumental in actually helping Rejoice Marriage Ministries get off the ground and become what it is today. So we are definitely supportive of Covenant Keepers. We love the ministry that they do, and we are excited to get to know Koji and Dina better and to introduce them to you today and let you hear more of their story. So grab your Bible, grab a pen and paper, because I know you're going to want to take some notes and enjoy this powerful testimony. Well, Koji and Dina, thank you for joining us. We're glad that we not only get to hear another restoration testimony, but it's special for us because it's hearing from people who are co-laborers in marriage ministry. Amen. So we're excited to have you all on today.
1: Thanks for having us. We're very excited and we're such huge fans of uh, Rejoice Marriage Ministries and all that you do for uh, those that are uh, uh, working through uh, challenges in marriages.
2: Well, Koji, you will hear the recording that Lori gave at the beginning, but we talked about how that if it hadn't been for Marilyn and us going to the conferences and her asking us to speak, our ministry would have never been birthed. And, and oh, wow. she, she knew about it, heard about our our book being written and it just, she asked us to come over there one time and it continued on for year upon year upon year. And uh, so God is amazing. And uh, we've known her for so long. So it's goes back um, a long time. And, and we've just kept going with Carolyn and Rex are so close and, uh, and we've kept in touch with them and it's just been a a blessing.
0: Well, let's talk about marriage. Koji and Dina, who wants to start and tell me a little bit about your early married life and what did it look like?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, I can, I can get started. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look back, way, way back to, um, uh, to how we really just first met, um, uh, we were blessed in that uh, we uh, met uh, early in college, in undergraduate college, and uh, um, had a, a long courtship and Uh, We, uh, while at that time, uh, I'll speak for me, I was not, uh, while raised in faith, uh, going to church, I was not in relationship with Jesus. So um, I probably could check the box that uh, perhaps I was Christian, um, but uh, I really didn't understand what that meant. Um, So um, as we grew in our relationship, we got married young and started life like most uh, uh, couples would. Uh, And uh, uh, when I think about the early parts of our marriage, there was this uh, pattern that really set a uh, uh, path—and not a healthy path, uh, by the uh, way—into our marriage that started to uh, uh, that will establish as as a problem.
3: I just wanted to set it up for for everybody who's listening. I I did not grow up in a Christian family. However, I was saved at a very young age, so I was saved at age nine, and that was because of someone who a good friend of mine who uh invited me to an awana meeting and I attended it week after week after week and just fell in love and so i uh, but not having grown up in a Christian family, I was never discipled, so i didn't have anybody in my home life explaining to me what you would as a new Christian and what you should do and what you shouldn't do so in those early years of my life, I didn't have any guidance. And even though I had a Bible and I read my Bible and I went to church and I was involved in choir and all those things, I, I really didn't know. Um, I, I, I feel like I did have a relationship with the Lord, but I, because I was saved and I did profess that, that I knew him and that that he would be the ruler of my life. I wasn't discipled in a way that uh, that was, that kind of led me on the right path. I very easily went off the the right path.
1: So uh, to bring it home in in the early time is that um, for me, uh, I was listening to the world's perspective of what a man should do in starting a marriage. Um, I thought, okay, my job is to have a good job, make good uh, salary and income, financially provide for my wife. Uh, And so I uh, and, um, you know, the management books, if you will, that I read at the time were all about success and the markers of success. Uh, And so, um, you know, I did the the typical things that are often taught in the uh, in the world, which was create a vision board establish a mental picture of what you want in life. And so I had this vision board with a beautiful stone home and nice cars in the driveway two perfectly, you know, groomed children and dogs and a white picket fence. Right. Um, and everything that uh, was the start of our marriage was really centered around uh, performance at work, increasing compensation and, uh, you know, material gain. Uh, And so I was following the way of the world uh, and not following the way of, of um, faith and also the needs of, uh, of our family.
3: I think where, where the, one of the issues really started from the beginning was um, it it started very early. In fact, months, I mean, the the warfare kind of thing started months after we were married. Um, But I think the real deep-rooted issues started when we had our first child, um, and that, that became a hard thing for us because I was working a job, he was working a job, um, and I had always envisioned myself being a stay-at-home mom, being the primary caregiver of our children, and I never envisioned ever once that I would be that, a working mom um, and so when, when that kind of issue between us came up, it created a lot of room for the enemy to come in and make us uh, disagree about what we should do. So that was... One of the first things that really took us off track.
1: Yeah, um, I'll, I'll add to, to that because that's a moment. There, there are so many moments in a marriage where either you, uh, individual, and I'll speak for me, open a door to the enemy to come in and, and persecute you and your marriage or to create division and strife between uh, two one flesh couples. Uh, and in that moment, let me tell you, so my mindset was success, you know, get the house, get the cars, all of those things. Uh, and uh, and we weren't, I don't think, mature enough, perhaps, or, yeah. or uh, had the intimacy in our relationship yeah. where we could have an honest conversation yeah. about expectations of raising a family. Yeah. So, Dina, you know, uh, properly so. I mean, I consider myself the ultimate bonehead in this moment because I, I am so Morally different from where I was back then, but when Dina says hey I want to be home and raise our children. I was thinking at the time You are off plan. That's not our plan You know, we we're gonna be a dual income family and we are gonna have a beach house And you are supposed to be a teacher and have the summers off and get to our beach house before we you know um, Before I could get down there and I'd come down on the weekends. You're you're off script Dina and that created massive strife because yeah. she's like, you're not letting me pursue what I feel called to do as a mother. And I'm like, you are not supporting me, wife, in our plans that we built together was, was like the lie that I was listening to at the time.
0: Yeah. Did that conflict just build up into resentment or did you all ever have a time where you felt like, okay, we overcame this and we came to a conclusion and now we can move on. Or did it just, was that the root of what started harboring problems? Yeah,
1: that's a, uh, that I think it was a, 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 a major milestone that is a root, right? It's a, there were other roots, uh, that we explored as we healed from the restoration of our marriage. Um, but, um, I found that that was the beginning of a, of a, just a complete um, divergence mm-hmm. of, yeah. of, uh, of philosophy, you know, yeah. what we would have called it back then. Uh, and so there was a building of resentment where, you know, I was not uh, treating Dina and honoring her as a stay at home mother and cranking up the value of who she is in God as a stay at home mother. To me, I kept thinking, "Okay, this is temporary. Maybe after a year or so, she'll put you know the kids in daycare and go back to work, and we'll get back on plan." Uh, and uh, um, and then as that time went by, that wasn't happening, and so I was probably harboring resentment in the process. And what I found, and you know, I don't want to speak for you, but you know, maybe you could share the yes. perspective. of I was on the road. And traveling for business, I was on my plan. Again, I'll own it. My plan of increasing responsibilities and increasing stature in the business world. And and so I was making a sacrifice in constantly traveling for business. And Dina was probably building some feelings there.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, after I had... Um, I don't know if there's a diagnosis for it, but um, after I uh, got pregnant with our with our son, who's now almost 21, um, I fell into a depression even before I had him, and then after I had him, I fell into a deeper postpartum depression that wasn't diagnosed for several months, if not longer, and um, and so that was it was really hard. It it complicated things by not having Koji around. Um, as much. I, again, I envisioned us like taking care of the baby together and waking up at night together and, you know, having these wonderful moments. And that, that just wasn't happening for me. And, and part of me felt really guilty for not being able to uh, feel like I could uphold a job and be a mother at the same time. I felt extremely guilty about that. And so I just said to myself, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And because I didn't have a close relationship with the Lord, I didn't know that I could lean on him for those types of things. What I did do is I leaned on myself and my own, my own will. And because I was already depressed, I didn't really have much to give. And so I just kept depleting myself, depleting myself, depleting myself until it ended in almost disaster.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to paint a picture because there's probably somebody that's going to listen to this podcast. And if you looked at us in that moment from the outside world, we looked like model citizens. Yeah, <laughs> we were young, uh, you know, starting a family, had a house, had two cars. Going to church. Uh, I, we went to church. In fact, at that time, I was an elder. Um, I was on council for uh, for a church, so I was holding a leadership position uh, at church. Uh, and but the reality is that was, um, the picture we wanted you to see. Yeah. Uh, and the difference was at home, we were in strife. We had major conflict. We had a difficult time occupying the same airspace, uh, let alone, you know, the, the same room and having honest conversations with one another. Uh, and, uh, we were in financial trouble yeah. uh, trying to you know keep up the look. And uh, on, on this, uh, we called it the wild train ride, mm-hmm. we could not get off. It yeah. just, it felt like a runaway train that, that once built with momentum, we couldn't step off and say, whoa, this, this doesn't feel right. It just felt like you had to do it. So Dina would be at home, experiencing postpartum depression, alone with the child, I'd be in Shanghai or Sydney, Australia or London, UK doing a business trip, having her call me and say, Koji, come home. I can't hold it together. I can't do this baby by myself. And me saying, I'm in a board meeting with senior executives in Sydney. I'm at least 13 hours away. If I left this minute, what do you want me to do? Um, And uh, we lived in that zone for a really, really long time.
0: It's so common what you're saying. Um, What we called it was Sunday Christians in our house because Mm -hmm. that was our, you know, we put on the mask on Sunday and we pretend that everybody's happy and everything's going smoothly. But then, you know, by the time we get in the car to head home from church, chaos was erupting. Yes the truth of the demise of their marriage was, was out. But like you and like what my parents went through, so many couples don't ask for help. They don't want to say we're struggling with this or I'm struggling or my spouse is struggling or we're going through this. They want to just pretend not realizing that sitting right next to them in church is another couple who's likely experiencing similar struggles.
1: That's it.
3: That's good. That's really good. That's so that was so true of us and at one point we did actually ask for some help from the church that we were. And again, I, this isn't said to slam anybody or make anybody feel bad. But at one point we did ask the the church, the ch- uh, several pastors that we knew, cause we knew, well, we were involved in the church and they just basically kind of threw up their hands and said, we can't help you. We yeah. we're not minister or we're not, we're not counselors. We can't. And they just didn't feel like they, you know, as we shared our problems, they were just like, this is too much for us. Like, yeah. and so it was, it really was like, I see it now as like God needed us. He needed to get us alone. Like we needed to be so desperate that we needed only to ask for him and him alone. And although I do believe that lots of people can help and facilitate that, I know that it was when things got really desperate that it, and I only had God, that that's where the kind of turnaround came.
2: I totally can relate to this. And I know, as Koji said, Um, There are so many people, especially young men and women, that have had children and are in this uh, crazy cycle that you feel you're in. And I think, uh, Dina, that you were uh, feel like you're abandoned and have all this pressure on you and responsibility. And Koji is is working uh, around the world and thinking he's doing everything he's supposed to do. But we women, uh, especially when you have children and all, there's a a lot that affects you hormonally, but also that the responsibility. And if you don't have a parent or a brother, sister, family relationship locally, which we now in this world don't have as much as we usually do, did in the years past then um, then you're on your own, and except for that church, and I can relate to where the pastors threw up their hands at you uh, boy that's what they did with us also yeah. and so we actually went and uh, had counselors and I do say to all of you, if your situation is beyond what a, a pastor says they can do, and if you can uh, get help or uh, whatever. Counselors may, may be the answer, but I can say when we get desperate like Adina and I did, then we turn to the Lord and the Lord is there and he knows every detail of everything that's going on in both of your hearts and both all of our standards, hearts and lives and families and all the details, everything that's hidden in the house God knows it all. That is where really that we need to cry out to the Lord and if you haven't cried out to the Lord yet to say help me, you know, search me, you know, show me the answers and through the word and through podcast and other people then that's what you need to do today. Listen to what they're saying because this is so key that you need to say You need help from somebody and it needs to be God's number one. And then number two, have somebody even a close friend. And I don't know Dina, if you ended up having a close friend that came by you. I had a close friend at work that was a Christian and she does over her little few things. And she came to me and said, can I talk to you privately? And she just said, Jesus is the answer, yeah. and I want to be—I want to be your prayer uh, warrior and and prayer partner for you. And I, at that moment, didn't even know that somebody would ever want to be a prayer partner with me. And she was so vital in our marriage, and and she ended up meeting the other woman, and was there when the other yeah. woman's family got baptized and she was at the same church where Bob attended and the other woman and she was down there with them and introduced herself and of course Bob knew her (laughs) but but, yeah that didn't shake Bob up to get home yet but uh, so anyway but I just want everybody to understand put yourself in and even men Think about where your wife may be, or if this were triggers that happened in your marriage, you didn't even realize what your wife needed, or vice versa. But when men and women speak differently to each other, and we really need to be transparent.
0: What happened when you felt like the pastor said, I can't help you? Did you feel like that was the end, or did you keep searching for hope?
3: Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, I think I went in between both camps. Both of like, there's no hope. There's hope. There's no hope. There's hope. I think the hope in me was was built on uh, knowing some of the word. And Charlene, I like what you said because I did. The Lord sent me an angel. She, he literally sent me my sweet southern angel. Uh, from Georgia Um, I lived in Pennsylvania so he sent me this friend that started pouring into me and loving me and she would say things like well this is a generational curse and I I would be I remember thinking like what is she even talking about Um, and she poured into me on a one-on-one basis and we prayed together we talked about things that I had never talked about anybody to anybody with about my marriage Um, And so that really, she really was one of the turning points, the Lord bringing her into my life. And she was a military mom, a military wife. So our time that we were actually lived, you know, across the street from one another was very short, very small. It was only a couple of years. And yet she's had that she's had years of impact on my life.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. the neatest part is it, to hear how God just puts them in yeah. and then takes them away. Because yeah. ironically, Vera was removed also from my life after after Bob came home. She moved. And that yeah. was I, I thought I would be leaning on her. Well, God yeah. didn't want me to be leaning <laughs> yeah. on her. Okay, here you are. And then after but she taught me so much about Praying and, and getting yeah. deeper into the relationship yeah. with the Lord personally, yes, and into the Word. You yes. know, a lot of us go to church, and we can go even Wednesday nights, but we need to get into the Word daily yes. with that personal relationship. Yes, yes,
1: it's a it's a it's a common theme of how uh, the Lord had sent um, people into our lives, and and yeah. individually, it's uh, you know, as you talk about, it, I'm like, wow, that I'm I'm still blown away at his grace in doing that. Yeah. Um, your, your friend, uh, you know, from, uh, uh, Susan. from Atlanta, Susan, yeah. uh, I mean, what a blessing she was. Yeah. I mean, she was an absolute lifeline uh, yeah. for you and, and your personal support. Yeah. Um, what, you know, I think about that season because it actually gets even, you know, worse, if you will. So we were in strife and we were in struggling. And then uh, at that moment, uh, um, I had a, an accident. Um, So I was uh, um, driving home from working out and uh, I was hit by a drunk driver Um, and it was a bad car accident uh, and I was injured in the process and injured my back Uh, and one of the things that happened along the way is just in in treatment for um, an injured low back from that accident um uh I went to all different kinds of doctors to get treatment for my back and it turned out to become um a prescri- a, a treatment modality they call pain management mm-hmm. uh and pain management introduces uh, uh combinations of muscle relaxers and narcotic pain medication um and I think it all started out okay um but along the way you know I'll take, you know, try to put yourself in that environment. We're in strife. We're struggling in our marriage. And then someone hands you copious amounts of addictive substance, uh, and it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, Looking back, it's no wonder uh, that uh, um, I was physically and mentally addicted to the pain medication that I was prescribed. Um, uh, and, uh, And in that whole process, Uh, That's really, it it expanded the wedge uh, in our marriage. You know, not only was I able to, you know, retreat physically from our marriage by doing business travel and other things that would keep me busy uh, uh, with the strife. uh, Now I could emotionally withdraw um, with uh, pain medication. Um, and so uh, that period, especially when uh, when Susan was ministering to you and discipling you in that process, you know that really uh, entered a, a big season—the uh, sort of the peak of uh, of the strife.
0: And Gina, back, did you know what he was facing at the time? Well, back
3: in the day, it's really interesting for me to look back on it now because back back then, and this wasn't like all that long ago, but it was long enough to know that that. In general, people did not did not did know about the opioid crisis. People just right. didn't know that pain medicine was an addictive thing. So I knew, you know, I'd seen the x-rays. My husband had two fractured vertebrae that later had to be fused together so that they wouldn't crack anymore and cause them to be in a wheelchair. And so I knew that. But what I also knew was that I was seeing someone that I'd never seen before. I'd, I was seeing behaviors. I was seeing things going on that just did not make sense. And I had no, absolutely no uh, way of understanding what that meant. Like, why was I seeing this? I didn't know necessarily that he was taking, but later on in the process, I did know that it was an addictive thing. But in the beginning, I didn't know, like he said, he was being prescribed this medication. It's not like I would be telling him, don't do that. He should be doing, that. that's what he was being told to do. And so I didn't, but I was seeing the behavior that was like, this is weird. I've never seen this before. Why is this happening? I mean, I had no context for what, what I was seeing. I mean, now I, I get it. But for those people, you know, in having you know, spouses in a position of addiction, it's like, you, you may be feeling like, I'm seeing something that's not normal for my, for my spouse. And why am, I, why am I seeing that? And what do I do about it?
0: and so common that you're being discipled by your neighbor yeah. you're probably growing spiritually yes and as you're getting closer to the Lord your yes. husband is going further away from your from your marriage
3: yeah
1: yeah and and so much so um, uh, in that mode it's a uh, you reduce your cognitive thinking intellectual thinking you're in emotional pain because your marriage isn't working well and you're overworking and trying to keep up this image right in the uh, in your neighborhood of, of uh, um, whatever, you know, your next door neighbor, you know, race you're in. Uh, and uh, that's that is uh, when the enemy uh, took a step and introduced someone, yeah. uh, a woman into my life who is also having the same problem. Right? So, um, so the enemy will use a tactic sometimes she was having
3: marriage issues. Yeah, yeah, she was
1: having marriage issues. I'm having marriage issues. Next thing you know, we're in relationship with one another, I'm sharing things that I should be sharing, just with my wife, with a coworker, uh, in order to, you know, release the emotional pain that I might be experiencing. So it starts out as a commiserating, you know, all oh, my marriage is hard into intimacy that's built, you know, in those conversations into a physical relationship where now all of a sudden you're in a full blown affair, uh, uh, extramarital affair from, you know, from your covenant wife. Um, and that's a, and that's, that was the, to us, it, it was the peak of um, the impact. Uh, that was the start of a, Uh, separation and imminent divorce process Um, uh, Dina found out uh, and I fessed up and uh, um, and um, we did something that uh, people who try to put on the perfect image picture uh, do we swept it all under the carpet Uh, the enemy man it's just sometimes you have to You just, you have to look back and say, you know, the enemy is not a dummy. He's not.
3: The enemy is pretty (laughs)
1: smart in his tactics. And he says, how do I take two people who are called by God someday in the future that we didn't know and put them in a place of darkness and in secrecy and oppress them so that they always carry this pain. And so um, we did our best to not tell anyone. Uh, and um, and we had you know maybe a, a half hour conversation or an hour a, a couple hour conversation, but then we did not talk about it. It was like the unspoken sin that happened in our marriage, and we tried to live like that for a while.
3: Yeah, and the interesting thing about it was when I found out about the uh, the affair, I was so devastated because I had never pictured myself as number one. My husband being unfaithful to me. Um, and number two, that it would ever, you know, I, I initially in those days, in that in that very, very early time, I thought that affair meant divorce. Like I equaled with one of us has an affair. it's That's the end. That's what happens. And again, going back to my friend, like you talked about my friend, Susan, she was the first person that said to me, it, it doesn't, you don't need, that doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't, you don't need to go down that path. And so I actually, um, because I was... <laughs> still recovering from, from depression, I, um, I started to have suicidal ideations and I started to, um, you know, think about wh- what was it like? I didn't, I never had a plan, but I, but I started to think about like, Hey, what if I wasn't here? Cause maybe that would actually be better. Um, and because I already had that, uh, precursor to depression, I, I ended up, I landed actually in a mental, uh, Uh, facility overnight and then outpatient for a couple of weeks. And it really was my friend, Susan, that spoke truth to me. She really did. She, she spoke identity into me. She spoke because she knew the word, she knew what the word said. And she knew that if she put that into me, that that was going to be what was going to heal me. And so so she continued to do that. Um, and not only did she speak covenant, I don't even know if you asked her right now, she would know that that's what she did, but she definitely spoke that into my life. And she definitely spoke in, you know, you're supposed to be here. The Lord has a purpose and a plan for you. She spoke those kind of, uh, scriptural things over me. Koji,
0: where were you spiritually during all this?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, dead, dead. <laughs> spiritually <laughs> dead. Uh, I, I, uh, again I mean I, I was I was raised in the Catholic Church and uh, knew enough of faith but he, he I want to make it real for people is um, we had this secret which was I had an affair and we didn't speak about it and all that pain was still just below the surface I mean you had to do nothing uh, you know if it was just Dina and I and something happened I brought flowers in. It was a certain day of the week. I mean, anything could just expose what was just under the surface. Uh, And so it it was so you know difficult to to relate to one another. Yeah, Uh, and so there was no forgiveness I was mad at Dina. She wasn't the she didn't live up to our uh, again We didn't know about covenant right Uh, she didn't live up to the contract of what I thought we agreed to um, You know, and uh, I was mad at her and and uh, probably you know in my own, you know, very deceived brain was uh, self-justified How how miserable she was? making me I was so selfish in that moment uh, and Dina is like I'm wounded I can't trust you I don't know if I ever can uh, and um, and uh, so we we lived, uh together in that moment uh, and here's here, we just want to glorify God in the process I was spiritually dead I was far from God but do you think that that stopped him from pursuing me no can still hardly talk about this this makes me just understand a father's love every time i talk about it is that he would not stop pursuing me i was far from him and he wanted to draw me near so in that moment um at, after it all boiled over we separated i had an attorney we had divorce papers written up and god sent godly righteous man one after another after another after another people out of the woodwork people i didn't know and uh to pursue me and intellectually in my head I had everything that I thought I needed to become, you know, successful. Um, I had my own house at that time. I had a job. I was working in London. I was having five-star meals all around the world. I was rising in my, you know executive stature in work. And here I was completely miserable, up at two o'clock in the morning bawling my eyes out to like Joyce Meyers, you know, repeats, you know, at, at two or 3 a.m. And I had no idea what had come over me. I fully expected in my picture that I would have beautiful, stunning wife 2.0 on my arm. Uh, I don't know, traveling the world with this person. Uh, and here I was, um, you know, miserable and alone. And uh, God sent men to pursue my heart, to put me back on the path. And uh, I just thank the Lord that um, this is for somebody on this podcast. I know you can't see what's happening on the other side of the mountain. I know you don't know that God is working on your behalf when you can't see what's going on. The picture that Dina got was a rude, disengaged person that would barely talk to her except for logistical measures of exchanging children. We did not talk in any other way outside of I'll see you Wednesday at seven to pick up the children and I'll drop them off after dinner. That was all that we spoke. But what God was doing that she could not see was sending men that had devotional books, that said, hey, I want, you to, I want to talk to you a little bit about your faith. Um, I'm here to help you. Let's just, you know, why don't we meet up at church? Um, and uh, God was just relentless about pursuing me uh, uh, to the point that I, I think I sent away 10, 20 men that tried to, tried to engage me that way. I told them all no.
0: I was going to ask you if you were receptive to these. No,
1: not at all. I wasn't even close. I was the opposite. And and now I can look back, guys. That's a spiritual thing. It wasn't me koji that wasn't receptive. It was the spirit that I opened the door to that was rejecting anything that uh, had looked like Jesus. Uh, And so these men were showing me the Jesus in them. And I was like, no. No, I am uh, I'm on a pl- I'm on a mission here and you're getting in my way. Um but uh, God doesn't give up. He will leave the 99 to pursue the one. And guess what? Your spouse is the one. Yeah, right. And he will keep going.
2: Amen. Oh my goodness. Gracious. Bob would be able to chime in with you right now <laughs> if he was here to say oh. I know. What it is to be pursued, and keep, uh, and he would ignore, and all the different ways that God kept speaking to him, and he's written about it. But the way God moves on the prodigal and on the stander and the the spouse that's home that's hurting, um, it's he is so powerful. You're not going to know that your husband or wife is being pursued by yeah, God. Right, yeah. But I want you to know that what's so important, and if you have never prayed for your husband or wife to hear from God, to yes. open their ears, open their heart, open their eyes, uh, we that's what you can do
0: yeah.
2: is that with two ministries right here, is that that's what we're praying every day.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, it's so important that Dina didn't have to be the one to go yeah. to Koji and to try to bang him in the head with the Bible. Yeah. So often we want to do that. But God was hearing her prayers yeah. and sending men who could minister to him. Even though he was rejecting them, those seeds were being planted all along the way. And that's what you can pray for your spouse is that God will send somebody. It doesn't have to be you. God can send a yes. pastor, a mailman, a coworker, Amen. whoever to speak to them. Amen.
1: He, he, sent, he sent all of the above. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and, and um, here's a target for your prayers. And this is where um, uh, Rejoice Marriage Ministries and other Christian ministries can really help and come alongside you. Um, so many people that we end up ministering to and we talk to often say, hey, can you pray for my husband to X and X control his behavior, right? It's like, you know, to uh, to not do this and not do that. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I think that Dina at that time um, had uh, uh, come into fellowship with uh, covenant keepers. And uh, really the, the source of the prayers that were just Ideal for me where I was at that moment was it wasn't uh, like, you know, uh, Koji stop um, uh, doing, you know, such a uh, whatever I was doing at the time. It was really about um, about a prayer that was targeted to um, Koji. Will he come to know Jesus Christ? Right. Will he come into salvation? Um, if he's not sure, can he be, you know, born again and commit his life to Christ? Uh, and that's, and glory to God, that's precisely what happened. It's, it started with a devotional book that I was willing to start reading. And then it turned into a, a scripture and I was, yeah. you know, going back, it's uh, one. uh, <laughs> Hebrews 11.1. It was about faith, and I was just trying to understand. So Hebrews eleven one says, uh, "Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see." Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote that on my whiteboard. You oh no, let me you say it. Yeah, yeah, you, you should
3: you. let me say it. I I wasn't seeing because this this is good for for somebody out there that's standing and. I came in to exchange the kids one day, and I had I saw no evidence. And all the things that he's talking about, the men that were sent. People asked me, like, because they knew of my situation. I had women come to me and say, "Can I send my husband?" And my answer was, "No, you may not," because I knew that he was going to be resistant to it, and I wanted it to be God. I didn't want it to. And and again, I I understand that those God could use those people, but it really was quite. Um, shocking to me when I walked into his apartment and I saw on his whiteboard, Hebrews eleven one written, I knew like, that was it. I was like, Oh my goodness, the Lord is doing something. I don't know what it is. And I think we've ta- we talk about this a lot where I would get this like, <laughs> I would get this thing where something God would do something and I would be so excited and nervous and happy and just joyful. And I, didn't want him to see it because I didn't want him to like ask questions. And I would just leave, I would just run out of the room and leave and go home and like praise God in the car because that's what I had to do. I couldn't, I didn't want to be overzealous. I didn't want to be on top of him. I didn't want to be saying, Oh, you wrote that. Well, what, guess what you wrote that? Well, what about this? You know, what about this verse? If I did any of those things, I knew I was shooting myself in the foot. And so I would just, leave, run out, praise God in the car and drive home and just be so thankful that I knew it was like this one little thing that I saw that if he wrote this scripture on his whiteboard, God was certainly doing something.
1: Such an important point, Dina. So important because that, that is, I think, the, the very essence of, of giving the burden to whom it belongs, yes. which is the Lord. Right, so you could easily be baited into seeing, I see a positive, right? A positive signal that something is working. And then, you know what? Um, jump in, take control, and try to take it over. And, yeah. and uh, this might be hard for you to hear, but guess what? That's called pride. Um, and, and you're going to allow your own pride, uh, to get in the way of what God wants to do in his timing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, uh, scripture says, right. Is, is I want to be doing what the father is doing. Yeah. Watch what the yeah. father is doing. Uh, and I'm telling you, I, I I'll be testimony to that. If you would have came at me in that moment yeah. and said, Oh my God, that's so awesome. Let me get you five versions of the Bible. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I want to go to a marriage conference and uh, listen, uh, join my group. Uh, I would have been like, you need to leave. Right. Um, and it would have, it would have taken me longer and God would have prevailed. Right. But yeah. it would have taken me longer
3: a lot of people would give me, especially when I became involved with covenant keepers and I was in a group, I, I I then had a group of people that were surrounding me and, you know, kind of helping me to, you know, do what I was doing and do it well. And as, as people would, you know, uh, suggest things, books, marriage books or covenant keeping books, or even Charlene and Bob stuff, I would, I, this is what I would do. And I, I feel like, believe me, I didn't do everything right. Right. But somehow I had, I had people really, Really guiding me in the right direction and one of the things that I would do and hopefully this is for someone out there is that Because I know this happens to standards all the time I would get the book that they would say like I would go on rejoice and buy the book But I would not give it to him if someone said man koji would really he would you know Bob steinkamp's books. They're the best. I would go buy them And then and I still do this to this day. I would take the book I would put it on a shelf and I would say, Lord, this is your book. And in your timing, I will give it to the person that's intended to receive it when you tell me, when you tell me. And that's what I would do. I, and I would let allow the Holy Spirit to work. And then when it was time, I probably have books that I still have never given Coachie. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> but I know there were lots of them that he, little by little, became receptive to. Yeah. Um, little by little. In God's right timing. It would happen that, and one of those books was the Craig Hill book, Ancient Pass, um, if you're familiar with that book. And that was, I think, the first book I ever did give him that we were able, he was at a point where we could start to discuss why this was all happening.
0: Yeah, and, We get and so panicky and want to fix things in our yes. hour that we think, God can't possibly open the door for, for Koji to read this book or to hear yeah. this message. I better step in and 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 deal with it. That's so yeah. true that what you just said. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and uh, I want to just try to bring it home here is that uh that through prayer, through reaching out to ministries that really understand the perspective of standing for your marriage. Uh, That is is unique. It's not often available at churches. People, uh, you know, I have a heart for pastors who don't really understand. I I get their perspective is they are trying to provide pastoral care. In their heart, they're trying to minister to a hurting member of their church and and they they, and their solution is pain elimination in the same way I was given pain medication to eliminate it they're trying to eliminate your pain by perhaps coaching you to move on and get on with life and and it's just it's it's erroneous right in the same way that a, a, a a doctor who prescribes you know ridiculous amounts of narcotic pain medication the outcome will be you'll be addicted to pain medication. Uh, And uh, and also a pastor who's going to tell you to move on uh, and get happy with life, the outcome is going to be a negative outcome, is going to tell you to get divorced and move on. Uh, And so so in that uh, that season, Dina found uh, Christian Marriage Ministries, uh, like Rejoice, like Covenant Keepers, to be able to support her in her stand and fast forward you know in my typical sort of jet setting way i'm doing a kind of a rite of passage uh, maturity you know birds and the bees weekend with my son uh and we're we're in manhattan and uh um, it was actually a a program it's called passport to purity Uh, i'm certain that uh, the call to salvation that started that program was designed for your teenage son or daughter to give their life to Christ. Well, guess who was doing that on the top floor of the Marriott Marquis in Manhattan? It was me. My son had already given his life to Christ. It was me who hadn't in a heart way. I was standing there dropped to my knees, crying with the deepest guttural weeping that I could ever, I don't know that I'd ever have that again, giving my life to Christ saying, Oh my gosh, Lord, I had made a mess of my entire life. My wife, my children, my job. I, I just, I'm sorry. I give it all to you. I need you and only you in my life. And that was the start of our marriage restorations. I gave my life to Christ because I realized that I can't control it, uh, and only through Him and in Him I could make progress. And uh, fast forward again, uh, uh, what was that like? Even less than six, six months, twelve months from the, from that moment, um, when I was saved to um, uh, to us going to church together on an Easter, yeah. um, our marriage was restored
3: on Resurrection Sunday. <laughs>
1: And I and I came back uh, to the house that I told Dina I would never yes. live in again.
3: Amen. Isn't that amazing? Resurrection that, Sunday.
2: That is an awesome day to get restored. Oh my yes. goodness! Yes, that is awesome. What a testimony you have, Koji. How God got you up to be there, taking your son to uh, for him to learn, and how the Holy Spirit touched you you were you were ready to be plucked and become a a a child of god yeah amen he'd been working on you a long while but i love hearing testimonies of the men and women that have the damascus road experience that is so you'll never forget it and it will help so many people yeah. around the world and sharing what you what ha- happens and i uh, dear Stander, you're gonna say well that was koji and you don't know yeah. my husband or, or my wife because you don't know where they're at and we can say oh we've been there we know and uh and do not put a limit on the power of your lord god yes god can do anything god created the heavens and the earth and he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and walk the streets to share the gospel, to pick the disciples and, and, and lead the Holy Spirit with us. And, you know, that is what we've got to get our eyes off of the problems and put it on the Lord and put it on God. That relationship is so important. And I can relate with Dina. Of how that if I had seen Hebrews eleven one <laughs> on the fridge, that you want to go run to them and say, "How did you get that? You know, who gave that to you?" And 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 it would not be uh, the timing of that Koji might not be ready to hear that question or want you to even know about it. So he, you were very wise in all yeah. that you did on that. Because God's timing is excellent and it's perfect. God's timing is perfect.
3: And I would just say, Charlene, as well, what you were saying just a little bit earlier, that, you know, people will walk up to me after we've given our testimony on stage. And I can't tell you how many times someone has walked up to me and said, well, that was you, but you don't know me. And I, when they do that, I want to grab them by their arms and say, you are agreeing with the enemy. Do not agree with the enemy. If you say, my circumstances, you don't understand my circumstances, and you don't know, you're saying that the enemy, what the enemy says, which is, God, I'm going to wreck your marriage. I'm going to do this. You have to align yourself with what the Lord says. And what the Lord says is, there's no situation beyond my control. There's no testimony that I can't create. There's no person that I can't get. Nothing is impossible for me. So why, so why on earth would you look at us and say, oh, it's good for you, but this isn't going to be my situation? Because you're
2: just, you're just giving the enemy a heyday. Right. And they've opened the door yes. to believing the lies yes. that their spouse or their circumstances are impossible. Yes, You just said, for with God, nothing is impossible That's right. with God. And we've got to understand that we can understand how bobs and kojis can get attacked. But we forget yes. that slander can also be attacked by, by putting a butt. But, but yeah. you don't know my spouse. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know what they've done. You don't. Yep. And all of these things. And they have maybe people from the church that are not encouraging them. Yep um and then that's also a, another detriment but most of all it's what's in between their thoughts and they're not feeding on the word enough to yep. know the scriptures to i love uh, topical teaching because i have a, a couple of books that i got when i was standing yep. so that you know if you need faith hope or you're battling fear then you need to open up the scriptures and read all or go to the concordance of your Bible even better because there's double or triple the amount of fears you can look up and read the whole chapter if you want. You know what both these ministries are saying to you. Jesus is the answer, but the word is so important that we know it and we get to study it to the point that we will want to go look up the words on fear. Or anxiety or whatever that do we need hope then look up scriptures on hope do we need peace look up the words on peace because Jesus is the answer and if you want to read the New Testament but you can read the old and you'll get it also but you know we've got to keep going back to letting God get in the seat and be the driver of our lives and not ourselves that we direct and go and interfere with what God is doing in our spouses' lives.
1: Yeah. I, uh, you know, one, one of the things that, that I, I'd want you to know is that uh, um, if your marriage um, wasn't of any significance and not of kingdom impact, do you think that the enemy would attack it? The answer is no. If you would have asked the young 20 something, you know, Koji and Dina back then, that uh, we would be on a path where uh, we would have gone through all that we've gone through, God would have restored our marriage. And now that, you know, we're leaders of a, of a, uh, a covenant marriage uh, ministry and serving as pastors, I would have told you, you're crazy. Yeah. Absolutely, it was not even in my universe of thinking. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't capable of thinking anything like that. Um, uh, uh, but what I can tell you is that, you know, our God is the God of restoration and He has a call on your life. And, and, and you think it's about your marriage, you know, yeah. you think that's <laughs> what this is all about, it's that not. it's about your marriage. <laughs> it's not i i i know it's super important to you and it's hard for somebody you know to hear that from somebody yeah. who has a restored marriage but i want you to understand that that is part of your testimony building because yes. he has a purpose for yes. you and your husband or your wife you and your spouse's life uh and right now you're off course um and uh, and god wants to come back in and 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 bring you into alignment with what his will and plan is for your lives together as one flesh couple. Uh, And, uh, and this whole process to me of restoration only continues. So yes, we got our marriage back. But what happened really after that is the full restoration. There's so many things that get hit when you are uh, not restored and, and they look bleak financially you're wiped out and depleted right any you take uh, perhaps two incomes and you divide them in half you're going to have a problem with that uh and uh, we were at the brink of homelessness i i i'm not joking i'm not like making a uh um making something up we were we were two weeks away from being evicted Absolutely. from our home. We were at the, you know, when you get a uh, uh, a mortgage foreclosure notice, you know, you get it on first door. in white, and then it <laughs> comes in a, a yellow envelope. And I found out that it comes in also like a pink one. And then there's one after that, which is when you're on a teetering edge, it, you get a flame aiming red one with a, you know, with a, <laughs> a certificate of, uh, of delivery and somebody like comes to your door and says, I am like, it's almost like serving papers. Yeah, it was. And, um, and, uh, um, uh, and? The Lord, as as we got on His will and path for our marriage, God restored all of that. Yeah. we had kids that really struggled emotionally with all the you know emotional fallout, and God came alongside our children and got them access to the ministry and support that they need so they can uh, recover from their wounding yeah. of of um, of separation and divorce. So have faith. Um, uh, go back to that little white. Or the refrigerator, you know, uh, scripture that I had is: you may not be able to see it, but God um, have the faith that God is greater. He is bigger than your problems and your circumstance. And and as Dina had shared, don't uh, um, you know, like distance yourself or say you're not worthy by saying but. It won't happen for me. Your circumstance is not bigger than what God can do. Right. And if he does it for us, we were nobody. Just like how you might be feeling. Who's, who am I? God came and met us in that moment. And, um, and if he does it for us, he'd do it for anybody, any one of his children
3: as a as a pastor and someone who gets to talk to standers on a daily basis i they probably so if you're a stander and you're listening to this uh understand why i do this but i get so giddy excited when people start telling me their circumstances and it's like crazy it's like my husband's drug addicted he You know, like the worst possible situation that you could make up, that makes me so excited. And the reason it makes me excited is because I know God's gonna do something with that. Our world needs a picture of what it takes, you know, what it takes to bring two people back together. And if it looks really crazy and dire, don't you think that even non-Christians are gonna say, hey, something happened here. There's a little something weird that, you know, that happened, what is that? And then, as other people that aren't even Christians get to see this, people that know us—we know lots of people that aren't saved—and you know, they look at our story and think, "Wow, like that's really crazy." And our story isn't even as crazy. I don't—I hate the word crazy, but but it's not even as incredible as some of the stories I hear on a daily basis. I—it makes me excited. So if you're in that desperate kind of um, situation, like. I know it's. It doesn't feel any better for someone to say, you know, a uh, laugh or giggle. But, uh, but really, it really is a holy thing that I experience. Like I just know in my heart, God's going to do something in your situation because He can't possibly not get the glory f- for what you're telling me for this desperate, desperate situation that you're t- telling me about. Amen. Amen. Yeah.
0: We say, but God, all the time. But yes. God. But God. And- But God. Well, today, tell us where you're at today. Now we're, we're restored and living in North Carolina and, uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life today. We
3: went through the process of healing. We spent a lot of time healing, uh, it going, seeking out healing, and you need healing. Um, and now, w- once we've gotten it, I don't think that we'll ever be healed until we meet the face of Jesus. And so we're constantly working on that. Um, but we are in a place where, um, you know, we live in North Carolina, we're the directors of Covenant Keepers, and who would have ever thought? Um, our kids, uh, last year, my daughter attended Liberty University online school. Um, this year, hopefully she'll be going to public school. My son will be a junior at Liberty University. Um, he's excited to go back to Liberty. And we just feel like we're so blessed that, that they on their own have chosen those paths because we know that, um, you know, God's going to really touch them there. And, you know, I don't know. Would you add anything
1: to that? No, no. I, I think that uh, we still are blown away and so blessed at what God can do. Uh, and uh, here's the thing for us is when, when we were called um, uh, uh, to, uh, to covenant keepers in, in terms of leading the, the ministry, yeah. we served uh, as uh, uh, volunteers, uh, leaders in the ministry as well. Um, God, when God moves in your life, your job is to not be quiet about it yes you have a responsibility to yes. share what uh, uh what god has done in your life and uh, and we were so compelled uh that uh, when god moved in our lives we were so grateful and um and we knew uh that uh, um, our job was to share it yes um and so that's really at the heart of of our call um is that uh, we we just want to continue uh to share his uh you know his work and his good news and 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 just shine a light into marriages that sound and feel so desperate uh, when uh, it uh, when God can move um, it he will overcome there's no doubt
3: I tell standards all the time and and it goes along with what you guys do with the journaling if you're not keeping a journal during this separation or during this time you absolutely should be because God will use that to bring hope and healing for other people in the future. And so it's, I almost feel like it's a little bit selfish if you don't, like I I look back on that and I can look at who I was. And someday if I choose to share some of that stuff with other people, how, how much does that give people hope to know that this is where we, you know, this is where we came from. And so I, I do, I spend most of my days talking to standards or emailing back and forth with standards and, um, you know, just knowing. And it's one of the things that I tell them is, you know, God's going to use your testimony. So start preparing it now. Start looking to the future and saying, you know, mm. this is what God's going to do. Declare and decree. God's going to do this in my life. And um, preparing, preparing for that in your, in your own personal time and preparing especially your mind for that um, not, not wallowing in your, in your sorrow and, and the circumstances of what's going on right now.
1: I love that. It's a, it's a, a small but very important switch um, yes. of uh, not using the word if, but using the word when. Yes. Right? When Amen. the Lord restores my marriage. Right. I'm writing this down right. so that I can share it again.
0: Yeah. Amen. Yep. That's Awesome.
2: Well, I tell you, I I get so excited. I love hearing restored (laughs) marriage testimonies. There is nothing like it to hear what God did and where you were and where you are now. And as you said, Koji, so perfectly, you would have never dreamed that when you were in London and all these different beautiful places, five-star dinners, but you never thought, You would ever be where you are now, but you are, you are serving uh, around the world uh, now where you can't imagine how many people you're helping. And that is your assignment. But God had to take each of us and all of us. There is not an hour. And I think. Dina will agree with me that we had to go through all of this learning experience and all of the tears and the cry, uh, crying out to the Lord. Every one of those hours and moments are God moments and Amen. not going to be ever wasted in the future, now, presently, and in the future. And that is, you can have that confidence as I can share with you that. God will bring things to your mind that what you won't have thought of and on a phone call that all of a sudden, you know, God will remind you of something that was just happened to you at, at, at a time. And you can relate to that person. I know, because I do it all the time. And Koji, you are gonna help so many people that have been successful, and success was so important. But now you, God has got you right where you are and you're going to, you're going to be successful for the Lord's kingdom. And wow, that is. And, and your God, and your boss is God. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) The best boss to have.
2: Uh, What a boss to have. It has been an honor and a pleasure to hear your testimony in detail. And we are just thrilled that you, uh, have come and shared with, this, with us, because I know you're going to bless so many, many other people. Absolutely. Yes.
0: One of the things we know that Covenant Keepers has coming up is every summer you have your annual conference, but unfortunately COVID is uh, changing plans this year. But tell us a little bit about what's coming up on July 24th and 25th. Yeah.
1: We are so excited, uh, first of all, to uh, uh, welcome uh, Charlene Steinkamp to be one of our keynote speakers at the conference. And so um, uh, COVID-19, let's just declare for a second that uh, we already know who wins this battle. Yes. Uh, the Lord will overcome, and praise God that uh, that He gets the victory in yes. this process, Amen. and that He can use these moments. Right? It's uh, uh, that He can take a circumstance. Romans eight twenty eight. You know, for our good and for His purpose. Um, and that's actually what happened to the conference. So, um, so normally we do host in Charlotte, North Carolina, and people come from all around the world, as far as New Zealand, uh, to attend the conference. Um, but uh, we have uh, made it virtual, uh, so anyone can register. It is on Friday evening, July twenty fourth, and uh, uh, and midday, uh, July twenty fifth, and uh, anyone can learn additional information about uh, um, about the conference. We've got. Great speakers. Uh, So we have uh, Charlene Steinkamp, of course, from uh, Rejoice Marriage Ministries. Uh, We're also going to have Craig and Jan Hill from Family Foundations International. Uh, We have uh, Mark and Maureen Sanford from Elijah Rain Ministries. Many many will know um, the Elijah House Ministries. Uh, This is a second generation from that. Uh, And we have some powerful testimonies that will be shared there along with uh, Paul and Cynthia Beck. Ah, uh, they're a wonderful couple from uh, from Washington State. But what's really neat about their uh, testimony is that it's uh, it is not the uh, uh, the testimony style, if you will, that Dean and I shared today. Uh, it is the perspective of the uh, of the wife, wife who being. was the prodigal, yeah. and uh, uh, and the husband at home did something so extraordinary that could only be from God don't that just <laughs> totally changed the perspective of what yeah. it means to do a stand. Yeah. I mean, it is really it, a radical move that um, it'll just change your perspective. Um, you have so- to hear
3: them because they he really did do something that I don't know that 99% of the people that I've ever met would ever do. And, and Paul did something quite amazing to stand wow. for his marriage.
1: Yeah, and the only hint I will give you is that uh, he calls it the Hosea approach. Um so uh you can come to uh uh to, uh, to the conference and if you uh, visit us on our website at uh, ministry uh org uh and uh, you'll see a link for the conference there.
0: Wonderful. And I'll give some more details at the end as well as a discount code. So if you stick around with us, well, Thank you guys for taking time to, to sit with us today and to share your testimony. And before we close, Koji, would you mind closing us in prayer and maybe just praying for the prodigals, but also for the men and women who are standing, that they would just have perseverance and, and hope as they wait on God's timing?
1: For sure. And I'm going to, I'm going to invite Dina to pray along with me. Uh, We we do it best as a team. Uh, So Lord, I just thank you for this uh, uh, wonderful and anointed time of, of glorifying you and, and how you move to restore marriages all throughout the earth. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to the person who is listening on this podcast and that you would just speak directly to their heart and say, There is more for you. There's more to your story that you can have faith that our God is greater and that uh, marriages can be restored. And there is not an obstacle that God cannot overcome. And so, Lord, give them the faith to persevere through the process that even though they may not be able to see what is happening on the other side of the mountain, that you, they would have the faith that you are moving in the prodigal's lives. And let us be a testimony that that happens and that uh, that can be a source of encouragement and that uh, as we all draw nearer to you, that your truth that's in the scripture will set us free and restore marriages so that families, husbands and wives, relationships with children and finances and jobs can all be restored so that we can be on your path and your call in our lives.
3: Lord, I pray that this dear sweet stander would understand on a spiritual level that they're never alone, that God is always with them and that they should seek first the kingdom of the Lord. And that when they seek the face of the Lord first, he's going to shine his face upon you. He's going to give you hope. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you faith. He's going to give you all the things that you need. And especially in Job 1.10, it says, Have you not put a hedge around him? And his house and all that he has on every side. You've blessed the work of my hands and my possessions have increased in the land. And Lord, I just prophesy that over this particular standard, Lord God. I pray that they would know that they are protected by the Lord, that they are set aside for the Lord's purposes and that and they can walk in faith knowing that they're protected from the enemy and that they when they seek the face of the Lord first, the Lord will shine his face upon them and give them peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. I know that testimony was probably a huge blessing in your life, and I hope that you've walked away encouraged to know that God is able to resurrect the most vile situation. Nothing is too hard for him. If you're interested in getting more information about the Covenant Keepers Conference, you can visit their website at ckministry.org. And we'll include a link in the show notes of this podcast where you can get 25% off if you're interested in registering for their annual conference, which will be July 24th and 25th. I know that it will be a blessing for you. Until next time, keep drawing close to God.
1: If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.
2: Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting
0: family.